HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Hey, and welcome to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Here today, joined by two guys in from uh, the lovely Beantown, Cambridge area for the cookbook conference happening at the Roger Smith Hotel, Bouchaw and Adam Solomon. Hey, Michael. How are you? Good, good. Hey, how are you? So, uh, the two of you work for, well, not just work, uh, Bruce owns the... The Harvard Common Press in Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah, I've been there 30 years. See, you, you purchased it in, what, 1980? In 1981, March of 1981. And it's primarily cookbooks now, or has it been... It, it, it is primarily cookbooks. Um, we've published in, in several uh, areas over the years. We have focused exclusively on two areas in the last 10 years, child care and parenting. Actually, our best-selling book is a book called The Nursing Mother's Companion, which I suppose is a different kind of food. Um, but <laughs> breastfeeding. We, uh, breastfeeding. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Very it's important. very important. Very, I mean, it's our first, stuck. most people's it, first food. It, it, <laughs> yeah. it is indeed. And uh, But about 95% of what we now do is, is cookbooks. Excellent. And you're in town for the first annual. Well, I'm saying annual because I'm assuming it's yeah, going to happen still, next year. We're, we're still, yeah. to, we're still yeah. talking about that. <laughs> right. We, we need to get through yeah. the first one. The first Roger Smith cookbook conference happening at the Roger Smith Hotel here in Manhattan. And this was, uh, I mean, over a year in the making. That's you, right. How were you brought into this project? Uh, we... Um, Social media is an amazing thing, and it has changed our our, our lives. And, and last May, we actually connected with Molly O'Neill through Facebook. Uh, we actually uh, were throwing a, a party at IACP in Austin. I invited a lot of uh, my Facebook friends, and Molly was one of those. And she wasn't going to um, IACP, but she kindly responded. She couldn't come to our party and we developed this relationship and then it turned out she was going to blog her food and we were and we had dinner with her and you know she's now I consider her to be one of my my close friends and she introduced us to 
Andy Smith last May, who was a friend of hers, and uh, I believe she had worked with him on a food conference that he had done several years um, before, and that just started our relationship with Andy. Andy said, I'm, I want to do a conference that talks about the history of cookbooks, that talks about cookbooks today, and also talks about the future of the cookbook. And he said, I know nothing about the future of the cookbook. And we said, well, of course, neither do we. But we would be <laughs> you know, really happy to, to, to help you with that. And so we've set up eight of those panels and picked the panelists, and it's a pretty star-studded group. And Molly is the author of What Cookbooks? Uh, One Big Table is definitely her uh, top cookbook. She's uh, a top contributor to the New York Times. Um, She actually pioneered, I would say, uh, social networking in the food space back in the late 90s um, with a a spinoff project around One Big Table um, that was really meant to bring people uh, online and get them talking about and thinking about food. Um, And the manifestation of One Big Table, what has it become in book form, is stories about food from around the country. So it's it's really an incredible project. Yeah, I mean, have there been a lot of... um Situations where cookbook authors from different publishers from different countries get together. Is, is there a forum? Is there a space for people to converse? It's it's a funny uh, it's a funny dynamic because I think in, in many ways there are disparate organizations that try to do that. Um, but I, but I think the the most preeminent of these would be uh, the International Association of Culinary Professionals (IACP). But it's not just cookbooks. And, and I think that what makes the Roger Smith Cookbook Conference so compelling is the fact that we are, we are really focusing on the cookbook specifically and using that as a discussion point. And you said from you know, historical to today to, to the future, uh, you have a whole bunch of different panelists, an amazing cast of characters. Um, this station's own Mitchell Davis, I think, is one of them. Guests that have been on this show and others like Charlotte Druckmann, Dory Greenspan, Melissa Hamilton, Christopher Hersheimer. Amanda Hesser, Joe Nathan. I mean, th- th- this is, you know... Uh, it's a star-studded yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's kind of amazing. Um, where does the conference start? Does it, is it chron- chronological? Are you, are you starting from the first cookbook and then going forwards? Or is it a smattering of ideas? Yeah. It's it's really more a, a, a smattering of, of of ideas, and you can you can cross pollinate. You can you can go to any of the uh, the, the panels that are going to be on the uh, uh, you know the history of the cookbook or the cookbook today or or, or ours. Uh, but th- things are also laid out so that if you really, for instance, want to focus on the future of the cookbook, you can. Um, there are also some workshops on Thursday. The conference is main part of the conference is Friday, Saturday, but the workshops are are on Thursday. And, and just as a, for instance, we have a workshop from one until five o'clock, which is on the on the future of the the cookbook and it's called the cookbook for the year 2020 an experimental case study yeah well what's going to happen during that workshop you're not going to all don spacesuits <laughs> eat astronaut ice cream and we're uh, no, we're going to throw our hands up in exasperation. No, um, it's it's actually going to be a very interesting conversation around cookbooks. Um, what, what we've we've done is really uh, created a case study um, by which we take uh, a publishing house that is trying to innovate, an author that is trying to bring her um, her her recipes to market um, as a quote-unquote cookbook, but we have not defined what that cookbook actually is. Is it a print book? Is it an e-book? Is it an app, a series of websites? Um, the group of, we currently have about 60 people involved in this Thursday workshop, um, we'll break them down into uh, teams of roughly 9 to 10 people each. Uh, each table will have a team leader, and each team will work through the marketing, sales, editorial, uh, and distribution decisions to bring those products to market. Uh, the last piece of, the, of that event will be a presentation back to the group to talk about you know, exactly what is this vision that you've crafted for the cookbook of the future. And this is something all cookbook authors, well, at least should go through prior to 
you know, uh, putting and marketing themselves out there. One would hope. Yeah. Um, you know, but again, it's, I don't think it's just for cookbook authors or publishers either. I think we're, we're expecting a very diverse conversation with agents, editors, um, you know, people who, who are uh, website entrepreneurs in the food space. Because ultimately we're not, even though we're calling it a cookbook conference, which it is, it's also a recipe content conference, and recipe content is, is everything that's around us, whether it's online, in print, or, or in some other form. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating you say recipe content, because content has changed via so many different platforms, mm-hmm. as you said, print, uh, digital, apps. Uh, are there others outside of those big main three? Well, just as, a, as an example of what the Harvard Common Press is, is doing, um, we realized several years ago that our main competition was really no longer um, other cookbook publishers. Um, it was no longer really the food magazines. It was no longer the food section of the um, newspaper that comes out on, on, on Wednesday. It's, it's online recipes. That's where the action's at, and, and they're free. So that, that, that makes this, this whole game very complicated. Um, as a result of that, we actually made a, an investment in a company called Yumly.com. It's an online recipe site, and it identifies essentially people's taste preferences. Um, and it's it's done done extremely well. But we decided, you know, if they were going to uh, free online recipes, were going to be our undoing. We might as well be be a part of that and and try to make it make it work. So, you know, that's that's a whole other extreme. Yeah. So, I mean, that sounds singular rather than bound. It doesn't sound like a collection of pages, but, you know, uh, one recipe at a time being what people most often go towards. Right. I mean, it it does lead us down a bit of a rabbit hole here where something that Bruce and I were actually actively exploring um, about a year ago in conjunction with Yumly was... Could we charge for those single recipes? Uh, and, and I call it a rabbit hole because as you start to go further and further down this path, um, you know how the question of what is the lowest common denominator in cooking uh, that you can charge for. And, and we've come away from that and really started to think that well, we as publishers not only do we produce single recipes, but our value is as curators as well. These ten recipes go together because of these reasons. Uh, as authors, this is the same thing that we bring to the table. A recipe in isolation uh, is only as good as the end result, um, whereas a collection of recipes can tell a story, can have a narrative, um, can really have a personality beyond just what each individual recipe is, and I think that that's where the value of these collections lie. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it is a fascinating thing that traditional publishing, you know, people thought of this collection and how do you curate a new collection by the speed and... Oh, I'd call it limitations of the internet sometimes because to sit there and cycle through or, you know, have uh, 200, 300 recipes with you at all times um, seems a little daunting at most, even though it's... Oh, I I think it can be incredibly daunting. And I, you know, as a cookbook publisher, you know, we're trying to identify what are those kinds of cookbooks um, that still work in in the day and age of, of, of the internet. I mean, I will give an example of, of that. I think appliance cookbooks are very successful, and the reason for it is if you own a slow cooker, um, as many people do, and many people use their slow cooker two, three, four times a, a week, are you going to really take the time to get online and find a free recipe? That takes a lot of time. Yeah. And I would argue that paying 15 bucks or 20 bucks for a book that has you know, 100, 150, 200 recipes, it's far more economical to do that than it is to go online. So I, I think as publishers, uh, if we're going to still continue to publish these hard copy and digital books that have a story to them, we have, we have to figure out what people are, are willing to pay up for. Yeah, I'm glad works. you bring up appliance. Because I think of it as, you know, a single subject to, you know, uh, 
a lot of Harvard Common Press's books focus more on single subject. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of the latest ones are beer cocktails, best quick breads, dessert jars. Mm-hmm. But you have someone myopically, but not in a bad way, focus, and then they can experiment within a smaller you know, it's, set. It's so funny you brought that up. We, we just had this conversation in the office yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Were, were you there on, on, on a wall? Oh, a yeah, fly, yeah, a fly, yeah. A fly. We, we tap all our guests it, it, the week it's, before. It's, I heard things I shouldn't have heard. It's, it's bizarre because, you know, I've been in this business for, for a long time and, and you know, for 30, 30 years now. And, and when I first came into the business, single subject was very big. I remember there was an eggplant book that had sold a half a million copies, which 30 years ago was a, a, a big, big number. Um, and then a single subject went out and people weren't buying them. And now I think people are buying them. And again, I think it's a reaction to the, to the, to the internet. And if you really like beer and if you're really into beer cocktails, you'll pay twelve ninety five for yeah. a beer cocktail book, right? And it's funny too, because in many ways I think of, when I think of our program, something that, um, I came on with the Harvard Common Press about four years ago now, and something that initially struck me was that, you know, Harvard Common Press, as much as we say we're a cookbook publisher, I think that our, our to your point about single subjects, we're sort of a, a publisher with many different niches. Um, so, you know, we do barbecue, we do vegetarian cooking, we do the appliance cooking. Um, we don't do general weeknight books that don't have personality or story behind them. There has to be a reason that this is being published. And, and I think that that's part of the focus on what, what I, you know, what I would call like single subject, because we do have these very tight verticals. Yeah, can I just mention D.D. Emmons' Vegetarian yeah. Planet is one of my favorite cookbooks, and oh, I don't think wonderful. I ever realized it was Harvard Common Press. Oh, yeah. But uh, having spent my, my educational years in Boston, Cambridge, going to, what, what is it now, Club Passim, or was? Yeah, exactly. And, right. Still and, there. Yeah, and Cafe Deluxe. Yeah. Uh, I think she helped open up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she, she was a... And of course, yeah. Veggie Planet after the same yeah. name. So, yeah. uh, great pizza there. Yeah. yeah. No, one, one, one of our major, major um, cookbooks, and uh, thanks to David Strymish from uh, New England mobile book fair he brought that to our attention and yep. yeah. we took it and ran with it because let's let's get away from single subject as far as the inanimate and let's go to the person i mean mm-hmm. you have someone like dd emmons you guys have also won what two james beard awards oh, we, we've we've won a number of them i i've actually I, I can't recall but we've been nominated for many many yeah. more and icp awards as well but yes cheryl and bill jameson, jameson certainly yep. certainly yeah yep. with both smoking spice and border grill yep no that well they they were really our first serious cookbook um authors they they actually came to us we were publishing a travel guide series and uh, we loved working with them and they said they wanted to do a cookbook and they did a book called the ranch of Mile cookbook which was a local restaurant book and then bill was from texas he wanted to do texas home cooking and that book did well and then as a result of his traveling around texas they learned a ton about barbecue and that's when we did smoke and spice and at the time even as we were publishing it we didn't realize the number of smokers that were being sold every year and there was no book for anyone cooking on a smoker yeah. so our book took off it won the james beard award the whole timing was fabulous yeah so, so i mean that comes back to single subject appliance. yeah yeah and and, yeah. and it's a, yeah. it really yeah. it's really an appliance cookbook yeah. isn't it yeah I mean, that's really what it is yeah, yeah exactly but talk about two authors that really just i mean you know, research, you know, tell the stories really are incredibly diligent about the ways in which they convey on the page, um, you know, all the different things they found. I mean, Bill and Cheryl are, are uh, authors that really get what it means to take a story and make it into a recipe. Yeah. Well, I mean, being based in Cambridge, do you feel an affinity towards New England um, about publishing cookbooks of that ilk, be it, you know, uh, seafood, be it chowder? No. 
Yeah, no, honestly, we, we really don't. Um, it, maybe that's because I'm, I'm from Chicago originally. Um, Adam and I travel the United States. Uh, you know, we have 20 trips coming up this year. Mm-hmm. We're all over the country. I, we love living in New England. Oh, always, sure, sure. I'm going to speak for myself. You'll have to speak <laughs> for, too. I like it. For, for, for your side. He's from New York originally. So yeah. do we love New England? Sure. Do we publish some New England stuff? Sure. But but we feel we're much broader than that. Yeah. Let's yeah. dip a little into the personal life. So yeah, the Chicagoan. Sure. And a New Yorker. I mean, what did you grow up eating, and what did you grow up cooking? Well, so I uh, I come from a family of four boys. Um, I am the second in command, uh, and you know, parents. Obviously, it was during a time when many of our parents were all working and, and doing their thing, and. Um, so I actually did a lot of the cooking for my younger brothers and for my older brother, too, sort of ironically. Um, but it was, I, I guess, perhaps as a precursor to um, my current interest in cooking, I, I did a lot of um, roasting and, and baking, and it was a lot of chicken dishes, as you can imagine, because it's so versatile. Um, and I think now you will not come to my apartment without finding probably 10 or 12 frozen chicken breasts just waiting <laughs> to be defrosted. Um, very, very simple, but, uh, you know, utilitarian when you're a young kid trying to get food on the table for six people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you remember the first cookbooks that you cooked out of? I remember. See, this sounds very cliche, but um, it was actually a copy of The Joy of Cooking that my mom still has, and I could not, for the life of me, decipher how to follow one of the recipes. <laughs> and so I finally like sat down with my grandmother, it was, um, at one point, and she just walked me through each individually. And so that was um, – it was a great experience because you have that personal side, and I still remember like sitting down with my grandmother and working through one of the recipes, and it was just a, a nice connection. Yeah. I mean, from then to now, I'm sure you read cookbooks differently. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Do you remember um, the system that you used to try to break it down before you had your grandmother, you know, uh, so kindly (laughs) interpret how to cook a chicken? Um, You know, it was uh, one of the things, and and to this day, this sounds kind of bad. um, I was never a huge cookbook person when I was younger. I mean, I, I, I definitely depend more on tastes and flavors and, like, how things go together. Um, you know, things like a lemon paprika chicken. Um, it wasn't necessarily about reading a recipe so much as it was using a recipe to sort of see what kinds of flavors were being put together um, and then using that to reinterpret the recipe. Uh, it's, it's, it's still a little bit more that way, although now, today, uh, I'm more of an armchair cookbook reader than I was, um, say, 10 years ago. And you mean reader, well, at least I feel this way uh, about cookbooks. I read through all the text yes. and then often get to the... I flip through, look at yes, the picture. Exactly. But I actually sit down and read cookbooks cover to cover now. Yep. And I don't think I did that, you know, even five well, years that's ago. A, it's a lovely thing to hear because that's why I think cookbooks are still going to sell. So yeah, I, hope I, there, I hope there are more of you out there. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know much about Chicago Chicagoan cuisine well, I'm, other I'm, than I'm, like hot dogs. I'm, and... I'm, I'm so amused by, by Adam's story. Uh, <laughs> you know, we've worked together now for four years and I, I've never heard his story about uh, joy, of, joy uh, of cooking. cooking I, because that, that's the first... Uh, cookbook for sure that I, I ever cooked out of. Um, I was not a cook when I when I was a kid. I cleaned the dishes. Uh, my mother was was an amazing cook, and my job in my house was to clean the dishes. And today I am the world's best dish cleaner, <laughs> and I am serious in the world. I get invited to parties just so I can do you know the the, the dishes. And I did not start cooking until I went off to college. And by the time I got to college, um, I was not a dormitory guy, so I lived off campus practically my whole time. So I had to cook and fend for myself but it was very simple cooking it was it, you know it was joy of cooking then I, I married my wife who's an amazing amazing 
amazing cook, and to try to compete with that was ridiculous. So I still do the dishes. So you know, I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm saying this on on air. I don't think yeah. I don't think I've ever said it publicly, but it's the truth. But I see a single subject appliance book coming out someday about how to wash the best dishes. <laughs> there, thank you. I hadn't even thought about it, but we'll go back and talk about it. Well, we're gonna come right back and talk about what's gonna be cooking up at the roger smith cookbook conference fantastic you've been listening to the food scene on heritage radio network.com we'll be right back Today's program was brought to you by Fairway Market. Whether you are cooking for one or for a crowd, Fairway Market literally has everything you need for a fantastic meal. But if you don't feel like cooking, no worries. They cater. Check out fairwaymarket.com for more information. And be sure to check the new blog, On Our Plate, for weekly specials, health tips, and recipes. Welcome back to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Today we have Bruce Shaw and Adam Salmon of Harvard Common Press and the Roger Smith Cookbook Conference. We're going to dive a little more back into it. Uh, we know a little about what you can cook and what dishes you can <laughs> clean. Um, but what are you looking for out of the cookbook conference? What, what workshops do you have? What panelists? Um, what are you most excited about and what are you sure. most fearful of? Sure. Um, you know, I, I think the conference, we, we, make no, um, we make no mistake about the outcome, which I think is that it's going to raise more questions than it answers. Um, the future of the cookbook especially is an area um, through which you, you, again, can start to go down these paths and really find some interesting discussions that perhaps you wouldn't have already thought of. Ultimately, what, what we see, the, the workshop on Thursday that we were talking about before, um, as well as the th- uh, Friday and Saturday panels, um, the benefit of those is really to give people a, I call it a sandbox, in which to play and think and not necessarily feel that they have to give up company secrets, but <laughs> they can also brainstorm with, with like-minded peers. Um, we've been, as the organizers, obviously, privy to some of the planning that's going on with some of the panels. Um, and you know, We have a great panel on um, working with bloggers that's led by uh, Casey Benedict, and she is a, a very, very um, smart and savvy um, I would say food entrepreneur. She runs the website uh, kitchen-play.com um, and is also the founder of Eat Right Retreat and, and you know, really is trying to find ways to bridge the gap between bloggers and brands and publishers are brands and are looking for ways to work with bloggers. So it's a great tie-in. Um, we also have a very uh, interesting panel on uh, independent cookbook stores and independent bookstores um, as well uh, and the ways in which they are starting to reinvent themselves. We've seen an incredible um, growth in the, in the interest uh, in bringing uh, authors into cookbook stores and to do events. Um, it's funny, uh, Bruce was out in Chicago over Thanksgiving and met with um, 
Naomi McKinley at the uh, Lake Forest Bookstore, and they work with 15 libraries to actually um, reach about 800,000 consumers through Twitter and Facebook and their newsletter um, to sponsor events and really get the word out. And, and that kind of reach is something that you would never expect from from an independent bookstore. I know. I've been seeing you have Celia Sachs coming from yes, Omnivore, do, yes. and people do make the trek up to Noe Valley mm-hmm. uh, to go see her. Uh, Bonnie Slotnick, who is yep. a gem in the West Village. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Um, do you tell people not to buy on Amazon and go independent? We, we can't do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, 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 we just simply can't do that. I mean, a- Amazon's very, very important. I think they do some things brilliantly for us. Um, I think the independents are going to become um, quite a force in the next couple of years. I think particularly the independents, and I'm talking about both independent bookstores and the cookbook stores, I think those that get involved with social media can bring so much to the table. As a publisher, we're beginning to realize, you know, as a small publisher, it's always been difficult for us to to, to travel our authors around the country. But we're realizing there are now huge benefits to doing that because of social media. You know, if you go to a signing um, at Celia's bookstore in San Francisco, and she's, you know, on Twitter all over the place and (laughs) Facebook, um, that that word's getting out across the country. It's not just in San Francisco. And so, you know, I, I think I think some of these independents, and, and again, Adam's already mentioned the Lake Forest Bookstore. I was just blown away by what they're doing. And apparently there are a couple of libraries out there that have these fancy kitchens and they bring in authors. And so there, there are a lot of those kinds of opportunities. And if you can tie that into social media, it could become really big. And I think really give a life to the independents, which, you know, we love the independents. Yeah, and they get to uh, <clears throat> preview books at because of Amazon's ranking system might get buried sometimes right. too and highlight authors that wouldn't necessarily get the media shown on them. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, they bring in a lot of books from uh, from from England and, and Australia. I mean, we, we've we um, gone out of our way in our travels to really go to all the cookbook stores. Um, and, and I think we have gone to just yeah. about all of them now and, and many of the independent bookstores. But the, uh, the cookbook stores have gotten really smart about bringing in books that you're not seeing in other places. Yeah. So you mentioned bloggers. Yeah being a very vital part of this industry right certainly, now. Certainly, A lot of bloggers turn into authors, turn yes. into cookbook yes. authors these days. And cookbook buyers. And, yeah, of course, cookbook buyers. Um, are you trying to tell traditional authors to blog more and show the benefits of that as well? It's it certainly uh, is a direction we're going in. I mean, one of the things I think um, that I particularly appreciate about our position as a small publisher is that we have a very um, we, we have a great ability to to work one on one with our authors. And actually, um, there's a we'll get into this a little bit before we go. Um, but there's a new uh, Facebook group that that Bruce launched called Cookbook Friends, um, and it's an interesting story related to the conference. But um, I did want to say I was having a back and forth with um, one person in particular on there who who was trying to figure out self self publishing versus versus um, publishing with a, with a publisher. And we got into this big conversation about promotion and working with authors. And she's like, well, I'd love to talk with you more. And I said, well, that's what your publisher brings to the table. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we work very, very closely with our authors. We build blogs for them when they say that, you know, there, there's a commitment there to blog and to get out there and, and talk more about um, what they're doing. And I, I think the blog and the tweeting and the Facebooking as a whole um, is very important because it allows them to be a personality and allows their personality to come through more so than just Harvard Common Press. Because do you think past cookbooks have been more of this relic? It comes out, it gets put on the shelf, it gets used, but there is no social attachment to it. There is no personal, you know, uh, nuance to it. It's an interesting. It's an interesting question. I think it. The social attachment is changing. I think that the the social attachment used to be that I could go over to a friend's house and see a cookbook that had been passed down from his grandmother and see all the handwritten notes that are in there, and there is a social 
interplay there, but it's not exactly the same when you can reach a million people on Twitter um, with a recipe or with a personal story or with a, hey, you know, I was just cooking this and here's something that is going to stick with me after cooking it. it it's, it's a much more immediate and instantaneous social reaction that we get. Um, how permanent it is, is is really, I think, an ongoing question that we'll have to see. As, yeah, as, it's always been how to archive the right, temporal. Right, you know? <laughs> and Is that a solution you're hoping to find out or hoping to explore during the conference? Um, I, I think it will come out. I don't think we've directed it in a way that, that this, we're necessarily saying, like, how does how do the social aspects of the cookbook um, become more permanent over time? Because I, I I don't think that there's an answer there yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's talk about the unanswerable. The, sure. fu- the future. Sure. I mean, um, what are you hoping to get out of the future as far as cookbooks go? You could talk about your own personal futures as mm. well if you like, but... Uh, I know a cookbook as a certain thing, as a book, as pages, now as e-cookbooks, as apps. What is the next frontier? What is the newest platform? I, you know, I think it's just really um, impossible to, to, to say. I mean, I think what we hope to, at least what I hope to, and I suspect Adam hopes to get out of this is some new and, and, and fresh ideas. You know, I don't think there's been a forum where we can all get together and, and talk. It's all been done in bits and pieces. It's all been done. I mean, I'm particularly excited about our workshop on Thursday where I think people are going to really be able to, you know, talk things through and, and learn from each other. I, this, this is a funny thing for a cookbook publisher to say, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not entirely, entirely convinced that our world in four or five years is going to be about um, – two covers and, 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 and what sits between those two covers. I mean, I, I think it gets back to our investment in, in Yumly. We, we are real believers in online, and we really believe that food is moving online. I think other things are, too. I think travel is a great example of that. But I think food is moving online, and I think we have to figure out exactly what, what that means. And I think it's not necessarily a hard copy book anymore. And I think to, to Bruce's point, um, you know, the investment that we've been making online is really, um, you know, it does tie in bloggers. It does tie in um, a lot of these social elements. We've actually just launched a, uh, a new web initiative. Um, it's called blogeats.com. Um, and it's, it's run by our uh, cookbook editor, Dan Rosenberg. And it's really meant to uncover some of the new and innovative and sort of flying under the radar food bloggers doing interesting things. Um, does that via its use of recipes and its use of, of really curating what's out there in some way become what people think of as a cookbook, quote unquote. You know, I, I don't know, but it, it really does. There is a voice there and, and an expert voice. And, and I don't want to pretend that the world is only open to expert voices because one of the great things the Internet has provided us is a forum for all voices. But it's, uh, on some level, I do hope when we think about the future of recipe content that consumers still realize that there is value to having someone guide you, and in guiding, there is monetary value and something that should be paid for. I, I think that's just incredibly well put. I, I, you know, I don't think it's a question of what this is all going to look like. Right. I, th- I do think it's a question of curation, yeah. and I think that's critical. Yeah. That, that's something we absolutely stand for, but whether it's but the old-fashioned book or whether it's online, mm-hmm. no, no matter where it is, it's curated content, mm-hmm. and that's really important. What cookbooks out today do you feel like have some of the best curated materials? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> That's a really, you know, I, I will tell you this, um, and and it's not an unknown. This is not an unknown quantity. I mean, I'm sure many have heard it before. But one of the, I would say, one of the cookbooks we were talking about um, ad nauseum uh, over the last holiday season a year ago was uh, Dory Greenspan's Around My French Table. And I think because that is something that you you really take and you hold on to, uh, it's not a transient element in the cookbook world. It's something that I think people will continue to talk about years from now. 
Um, is it not transient because it's, of its heft and weight as well? <laughs> I mean, totally. Yeah, I it feel like sometimes it's a diet to, or like a workout <laughs> to carry around cookbooks. <laughs> but you know, that said, um, I don't want to uh, I don't want to equate curation with you know heavy four color books and beautiful four color books. I mean, there are plenty of great two color books um, that that really deserve that as well. I think back to Cheryl and Bill Jameson. I mean, not to toot our own horns, but their books are really an example of, of people who do their homework and really care about the recipe. Yeah, our best-selling cookbooks, oddly, are two-color books. They're not our four-color books. Right. Yeah. By far and away, our two-color books right. way outsell our four-color books. It's really yeah. interesting yeah. because our content's really, really exactly, good. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was lucky enough to see what I think is one of the first cookbooks in the U.S., uh, Virginia's Housewives. Um, right. I always forget the title of it, but that thing obviously was not a four color book, um, mm-hmm. it, nor was it a professional. I mean, she was right. an amateur, but I mean, obviously not. <laughs> but she was also not a voice that was recognized, you know, used to being heard. Right. Um, and it created this foundation for other, you know, maids and housewives to start trading cookbooks. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it's funny. I see during this proliferation of bloggers, everyone realizes that they do have an inherent voice, but. It also is extremely important, like you say, to have a very clear, concise, uh, you know, and curated voice. And how do you teach that to somebody? It's... Uh, I actually don't know. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, you know, there, there, there's some people who, who would argue that there are many bloggers out there who have not been trained to really, really, truly write right. um, recipes. And, and, you know, I think it's one of the reasons bloggers go to the conferences. We go to all these food blogging conferences and they're trying to learn that and get better and take better photographs um you know i I think the big issue here the big issue here is how do you take all these curated recipes that are now in book form and how how do these people who have spent their lives developing really creative recipes how do you how how can they make a living right how can they get paid for that um, because they always have been, and, and it, 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 it should still happen somehow. Right, exactly. That's, that, I'm hoping there's going to be a genius at the cookbook conference who can that solve that. For us. Because it's true, I mean, you, you're, the roads in which you walk are only as, uh, are only as, as, as um, full of potential as those that walk with you. And I think in many senses, bloggers, you know, they have a lot of potential but then you have as Bruce said these these writers and, and these people who were who are journalists who are getting paid for content so many years ago and that bar is slowly coming down because you have a lot of great writers who are bloggers who are willing to do it for free and, and that's not to say that all blogging content should be pay for content but I think that that each and every one of us within the cookbook and the recipe world has to realize that we're not an island and we have an impact on everyone else that's in this ecosystem. Yeah, and talking about others, there there are more than just bloggers and writers. Right. There there are agents, there right. are editors, you have uh, food photographers, stylists. I mean, uh, it, it's not a one-person army right. uh, to be And how do they all make money? And how does a good photographer make money? Yeah. Because now all the bloggers, actually, <laughs> they take great photos, yeah. don't they? They, yeah. they truly do. <laughs> So, that's for another show. Yeah, that's, that's for another show, right? Excellent. But no, no, it is. A lot of people try to wear a ton of hats, sure. but sometimes it takes a team. And uh, I'm at least hoping that this conference shows other people that you know uh, delegation sometimes is the best thing you can right. do to find your teammate, to find someone that strengthens you and your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And, um, be it having an agent that stands up for you, or you know a stylist, uh, right. prop stylist that brings in the right plate for that dish. Right, so. exactly. I mean, cookbooks have always been a very um, 
sort of community-based thing, whether you're cooking out of them and serving it to friends or whether you're producing them and working with editors and authors and agents and photographers to make it happen. So there's no reason why that should now become a singular process where we're all on our own in this. You, you, put, you put that so well, by the way, because I think one of the things I've always loved about being involved with the Harvard Common Press, which is a very mm-hmm. small company there, you know, there've been anywhere between 10 and 15 people at, at any one time, yet we all work together on each and totally. every single solitary book we do. And because of that, we we end up producing something that's just better than the author, exactly. better than us, exactly. better than, than anybody. And, and you know, I I'd, I'd, I'd hate to lose that process because that, that that process is a part of what has produced not just great books but great recipes, mm-hmm. and so we'll see. Yeah. See where it goes. Well, I think in this day and age of community-supported agriculture, etc., right. it it shows that it takes a village. Yeah, right. it's true. It's true. <laughs> right. Excellent. Right. Um, the cookbook conference website is cookbook. Cough. C O N F dot com. Are there still uh, seats available? No, 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 no. We started the Facebook group, and yeah. uh, I think only thirty people had signed on. And four days later, we were sold out. Two hundred and fifty <laughs> yeah. people. Yeah. Uh, social media. I'm I'm just so sold yeah. on it. It's yeah. incredible. So no, it's been sold out. Unfortunately, uh, for for many, because we have a long, long wait list. Um, but uh, we'll see what happens next year. We will year. be streaming certain sessions live on the cookbookconf.com website, and all of the videos will also be made available after the conference as well. So uh, stay tuned for more information. Excellent. And like I said, annual. I expect many more. <laughs> yeah, well, let's, let's, let's just we'll see. We've heard a lot about that the last couple of days. <laughs> yeah, let's, no. let's, let's get through uh, Saturday, all right? Excellent. I'm looking forward to hearing about what is the future. Yes, definitely. You, know, you can call as, me in your time machine. As, <laughs> yeah. as, are, as are we. Excellent. But thank you, Bruce, Adam. Yeah. Yeah, thank you very much for having us on yeah, very enjoyable cookbook comps c-o-n-f.com again good. check it out there will be some live streaming content you've been listening to the food scene on heritageradionetwork.com your host Michael Harlan Turkel hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at 3 Cheers. thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening. 